What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. What's up, what's up, what's up? So on this episode of Sides of Boxing, I'm going to talk about some more important fights that happened this past weekend. If you haven't heard the Tyson Fury podcast episode, it's the previous one behind this one. So go listen to it and it gives you all the details about what went down in that fight. But on this episode, I'm going to talk about Devin Haney, Michael Hunter, Raymond Ford, as well as Hami Mangia because they all fought this weekend and they had some interesting and fun fights. So let's get into it. All right. So the first fight that I want to talk about is the Raymond Ford versus Rafael Castillo. Raymond Ford came into this fight 3-0. He only had one KO, and he's in a super bantamweight division, and he was fighting Rafael Castillo, who was 1-3, and, and he had zero KOs at the time. And it was just a fight that Raymond Ford just had to put under his belt to build his resume to get better fights in the future. And that's exactly what he did. Raymond Ford did a fantastic job of using his jab, moving around, being lateral, not staying in one spot at the same time. He actually did a lot of great things that I felt that he needed to do with regards to a fighter like Rafael Castillo because Castillo is a type of fighter who's going to come for it, who's going to talk trash, who's going to try to get in your head to beat you mentally so that he can win physically when it comes to uh, the fight. So Raymond Ford did exactly what he was supposed to do. He actually talked trash back. It was very entertaining with them. It was only four rounds, but it, it was really, really good. Very, very uh, a lot of punches were thrown, a lot of good movement. They were definitely drawing back and forth and uh, calling each other out, saying who could punch the hardest and things of that nature. And and it was just very fun to watch. And uh, Raymond Ford ended up winning this fight. He improves to 4-0. and And he's now going to just continue to just keep improving, just keep winning, stay consistent. I know he sparred with Shakur Stevenson in the past. As long as he just keeps getting around great people, keep getting around great competitors who's going to push him, he's going to constantly get better, and his time is going to come because there are a lot of good fighters in the super bantamweight division, and I would like to see him fight them. Now I want to get into the next fight, which is with Michael Hunter versus Sergey Kuzman. This fight was very, how do I say it? The best way I can say this fight was it was very uh, fun to watch, but also it was it was very intriguing. I would say because Michael Hunter came into this fight seventeen and one with twelve KOs. His only losses with Alexander Usyk, and he is in the heavyweight division. And Sergey Kuzman came into this fight fifteen and zero with eleven KOs. So he had the punching power. And this fight was definitely a fight for both of these fighters, in which they needed that fight this fight on their resume so that they can move on and get into the top 10 of the heavyweight division and start fighting opponents that they know they deserve because both of them are kind of getting in the older age and they needed to start getting uh better fights because they don't have forever you know so michael hunter like i said came into this fight looking very focused looking very determined in the press conference sergey as well they both looked if they was ready man and they had a lot to lose if they one of them lost and the way that this fight started off, rounds one through four, Michael Hunter came into this fight doing very good. He moved exceptionally well. He used a jab effectively, and he's an orthodox, so he moved his jab and just kept throwing that, that left hand, 
very smooth. And he was in upstairs and downstairs to the body. Michael Hunter was doing such great things. He was not standing still. Like I said, he had lateral movement. He used the whole entire ring, and he was very quick. He was faster than Sergey, and it was clearly shown in the first four rounds. Round five came, and Michael Hunter threw a jab, and it got blocked. But then he landed a left body hook, and it dropped Kuzman, and Kuzman hit the floor. And everybody was, I was just like, oh, because it was just so shocking. It was so surprising because Michael Hunter was winning. But at the same time, it didn't look like it was going to be enough to knock him out. In my opinion, at that time, it was just looking like he was just taking a lot of punishment. But I didn't see it coming. And when it happened, he got knocked down and it was, it got the crowd up. It got everyone up. Everybody was intrigued now. And then. He got up and took it like a man, and he kept pushing forward. In round six and seven, Kuzma became more aggressive. He started putting more pressure on. But Hunter had too many skills, and he showed, he outclassed him, man, with regards to his his movement, his his jab, the way he used the ring. He fights him like a pretty much like, in a sense, like a welterweight. Like, he really uses the ring very well. He uses that jab very well, and he can move. And so that's the thing that... That's very shocking because a lot of heavyweights don't move as quick as Michael Hunter moves. And I say he moves probably the quickest out of all the heavyweights that I've seen. And in round 8 through 10, he outworked Sergey with a jab, like I continue to say. And that's pretty much what he kept doing. And he didn't allow, like in the rounds 11 to 12, he didn't allow uh, Kuzman to get his uh, his feet plant for big shots. Because that's what he was looking for because he wanted to KO Michael Hunter. But Michael Hunter never gave him the opportunity to because Michael Hunter was in great shape. He kept moving. And he never allowed him to plant his feet. And that became the fight. And Michael Hunter won. He improved to 18-1 and one with 12 KOs still. And he won by unanimous decision. But one thing else. Michael Hunter uh, called out uh, Alexander uh, Povekin. So Povekin uh, is a really good experienced fighter in the heavyweight division in the, in the top 10. So he called him out to fight him by the end of this year. So hopefully we can see that fight because that would be very, very fun to watch. And that's all I really have to say about this fight. The next fight that I want to talk about was the Zaira Abdullayev versus Devin Haney fight. This fight was very good. Devin Haney showcased his skills and proved that he should get a title shot against Vasil Lomachenko. Going into this fight, Devin Haney was 22-0 with 14 KOs, and uh, Zaira was 11-0 with 7 KOs. Both was undefeated. Both had a lot on the line because this was a title eliminator for the WBC lightweight title. This was a big deal for both of these fighters, like I mentioned before. And I just want to get straight into how the fight went. So to start off the fight, Devin Haney came in came in very confident, did what he had to do in the first round, which was establish his dominance and establish his control over the ring and the pace of the fight. And he just countered beautifully. He seemed like the very quicker fighter. He constantly kept landing the right hook. And it just seemed like uh, Zaire couldn't couldn't keep up, man. And, and it became to the point where as rounds two, three, and eventually round four came, he was totally outmatched, totally overmatched. It just didn't matter what he did. Devin Haney was uh, getting, punching in, getting a, a shot to the body, and then stepping right back out before 
Zaire could ever even like get a punch in. So it just got to the point where he was taking a lot of punishments. Around four came, he potentially suffered a fractured cheekbone, and they just called it a, a RTD, which stands for the referee technical decision. And that really just means that the corner uh, retired, uh, and pretty much like they just gave a corner stoppage. So the corner just said no, no more. They're not going to have their fighter go into the ring and get any more punishment. And that's pretty much what that means. So he did. He got that in the fourth round at the end of the fourth round. And that was it. Devin Haney dominated, made it look easy. And now he's a mandatory for Vasil Lomachenko's WBC lightweight title. We'll see if he actually gets to fight Lomachenko, which would be a, so entertaining. He was calling him no Machenko because he don't want to fight him. But we will see because Lomachenko is trying to unify and become the undisputed lightweight champion. But Devin Haney is right there waiting for him. And so we'll see if Lomachenko will fight him before he fights for the undisputed lightweight title or if he fights him after it. But one way or the other, it looks like they're going to crash course to meet each other. Lastly, I want to talk about this last fight, which was Hami Magia versus Patrick Atoli. This fight was a fight that went under the radar this weekend, but it meant something with regards to what's going to happen in the future of boxing in the light middleweight division, as well as in the middleweight division. So Hami Magia is 33-0. He came in with uh, 26 KOs. Patrick Atoli was 40-3 and with 30 KOs. So this fight seemed interesting. Interesting to seem entertaining. Jaime Magui is coming off a win against Dennis Hogan, which was considered very controversial. People thought that Dennis Hogan easily won that fight, but nonetheless, they gave it to Jaime Magui and he continues to be undefeated. But now, let's talk about the present and what happened this past weekend. And what happened was in this fight, for the first two rounds, Atoli was in this fight by laterally moving around the ring and jabbing. But once round three started, Mangia overpowered Atoli and dropped him twice in that round. And I was like, oh, we. I was like, Atoli looked like he don't even need to be here. But to even start the, the fight off, it just looked like Hami Mangia was just bigger, stronger, and he looked like the more uh, massive uh, fighter. Patrick Atoli looked like he was more like a welterweight. Hami Mangia looked like he was more of like a middleweight. Uh, and it and it was clear as day when when I, when they were fighting, and uh, I mean my gear is only six foot, but he naturally just looks bigger. And when round three came and he got them two knockdowns, I was like, oh, this is about to be an easy night, an easy night. And then when round four came, he made it through round three surprisingly, but round four came, then he dropped him again. It was like a body shot, but then he just backed up and he just took a knee, and that was pretty much it. The corner. Just uh, just said no more. They done. Another corner saying that they are not going to allow their fighters to take any more punishment. And they stopped it because of it, it was a mismatch. And Hami Magia improved to 34 and 0. You know what I'm saying? 27 KOs. And it was just, it just seemed like it was just uh, an uneven match. Now, what I want to say about what happens next is that Hami Magia is too big or very big for 154. So what he's going to do next? And they asked him that if he's going to move to middleweight, which I believe he should He should just go ahead and move up to middleweight because he's not fighting anybody at 154. And they are going through their things like with Julian Williams and Jamel Charlo and Tony Harrison. They're, they're fighting their way. But 
That 154-pound, it don't seem like Jaime McGee is going to fight any of them. He might as well move up to 160 and fight some of the bigger guys. He has a lot of competition he can face up there. He has Jam- Jamal Charlo. He has Demetrius Andre. He has Canelo still. GGG. Uh, Daniel Jacobs can still fight there. So he has so much more better, more better competition there. I feel like that's where he needs to be fighting at. And that's what he talked about that he don't doesn't know yet. But more than likely, he's going to move up. And, yeah, that's it, man. Jaime Magia just got an easy win, just dominated it, made himself look good again because you they usually say you're only as good as your last fight. So his last fight looked pretty well. And now he's moving on to a new fight, probably more than likely at uh, middleweight. So, yeah. And this concludes this episode of Sasa Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating on the podcast, whatever platform that you use. And tell a friend to tell a friend because I'm going to continue to give out great content each and every week. The next fight is with Peter Quillen, so be on the lookout for that. And that's all I have to say, so God bless.